Week 7 is upon us in college football as we're getting just about to the midway point of this college football season. A year that started with being Clemson, Alabama, a huge gap in everyone else. It's getting damn interesting as the race for the college football playoff is on, especially because it seems like there's some real contenders out there that could knock off the Tide, could knock off Clemson, could knock off what everyone thinks was going to happen before this season began. As always, I'm Nick Shepkowski alongside Pete Futek. We're ready to get you set for week number seven in college football, an extensive preview with guests representing both schools from Oklahoma and Texas for the Red River Shootout Shootout. Showdown to come, but first, Pete, there's a bunch of other games for us to look at and to, to kind of get into. Huge weekend of college football here as we enter mid-October. Yeah, we had, we had both kinds of music here, country and western, That's when it comes right. to uh, Oklahoma and Texas. It, it, now it's fun. You know, last week kind of stunk. There wasn't a really big game that was, I mean, the, the Auburn-Florida game was certainly interesting, and uh, Michigan-Iowa was kind of interesting, but it was just badly played football. Now you got to, it's playoff time. Now you've got the big boys who are going to battle it out with each other, and here we go. Yeah, here we go. We'll start with that one since you brought it up. It was the game of the week last week. It was entertaining. Uh, left you scratching your head more than a couple of times while watching, too. You've asked me all year long, and I continue to kind of stand by this, I don't know if Florida's any good. I don't know if Florida's any good. And I'm coming around on them being good. Sure, they're good. They're unbeaten. They knock off Auburn, who had had as good a resume as anyone in the country. They just seem like, for any NFL fans out there, they feel like the Lovey Smith Bears. It's a great defense, but when they play a great offense, I have no confidence whatsoever with them to keep up, and that's kind of how I feel with them going into this LSU game this week. We're about to find out, and the, the the fun part about this game is like now we get to see in a couple of these games between LSU and uh, Oklahoma, all right, fine, your offenses have been a blast so far, but they also haven't played anybody, and that includes LSU going against a depleted Texas defense with no secondary. So now they have to actually play a real live defense against some real live NFL talents, and, and to your point about being interesting, it, all right, Florida is not flashy. They're not going to be Ohio State. They're not going to be Oklahoma, but they are just a rock solid team and, and you ask okay who could beat an Alabama who could beat a Clemson well you got to have the guys and you got to have the NFL talents and that's what Florida's got the key to that Auburn win last week is it bought them a week they can lose this this doesn't matter to Florida in the overall thing they got to beat Georgia no matter what and all they had to do was split the, the games against the West between Auburn and LSU they got their one win now it's gravy time if they win this then it's really gonna be a whole lot of fun but the, if if they can just beat Georgia now they can lose this game and it will not matter to their college football playoff chances. Yeah, it makes that Georgia game even that much bigger, at least nationally, the perception of it than in a couple of weeks because all of a sudden they go into Death Valley, they walk out with a win against LSU or they're almost a two-touchdown dog this week, and it's, oh. That's a bad. lot. By the way, we did not, I did not make my It feels like pick. a ton. That's way too much. It feels like a ton to me too. It, it, that's how I kind of looked at it. Like I just trust that defense to keep it close and keep it interesting. I know I haven't been the biggest Florida supporter all year long, but that defense isn't going away. That defense isn't going to hide, and it's gonna. I think there's gonna be some problems at least for LSU. I'm not calling for the upset, but call for that one to be damn interesting. I've heard people call for the upset. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I do think that, that the Florida defense is going to rise up and give old Mr. Burrow a little bit of a tough time. So uh, I do like Florida with the points, but I like LSU to blend this thing. Okay, since we're in the SEC, the other 
I, I hesitate to call it a big game. It's a big name game anyway. Alabama goes on the road, College Station, the destination. They take on a Texas A&M team that sits at 3-2. and two. But each time I've tuned in and watched any Texas A&M on a given Saturday, I left, I leave having a lot still to be desired with this squad so far. They're boring. And that's the problem is that their style is just not interesting. It's kind of a, they like to control the clock. They like to control the tempo. And there's certain ways to to do this. Like Wisconsin does it where they just make a big thing out of always staying in bounds and time of possession and all that. And there's Texas A&M's kind of four corners offense. that just seems to take away all the energy from the game. They never have any rhythm, never have any tempo. I want to see Texas A&M wake up. them you know, rise up and have the energy that they not have in that Clemson game uh, and they didn't have against Auburn and I want to see Alabama rip it up in terms of a, a, a total and complete performance obviously they're doing performance art with that offense and that passing game uh, defense has been okay the running game's been okay I, I want to see a rested Alabama team come out and do like a 52 to 3 type of pasting if this doesn't turn out to be a pretty good game. I know it's like premature to get into discussions with it, but each time I see the Heisman straw polls that are out there, it's, oh, it's Tua Tunga Viola, it's his trophy. I get that, all right, he has the receivers to throw to. I I don't know. I don't walk away being it's like... It's Jalen Hurts' trophy, by the way. You think so? At the moment. It, it, it's obviously a huge one for Hurts on Saturday, coming up with the, the Red River showdown in that game. But I, I, every one, it seems like they just want to throw out the trophy. Oh, Tua, because uh, because Alabama's great and the receivers are there. I think it's a wide-open Heisman Trophy race right now. And I think it's so much more than just those two, too. I have Jonathan Taylor way towards the top Oh, it is. There's five guys. List. I mean, Justin Fields like, is there. Jonathan yes. Taylor's there. Uh, Joe Burrow. So it's a five-man race. If Sam Ellinger goes off, and I will talk about this a little bit, if Sam Ellinger goes off and beats Oklahoma, then he's in this thing. Uh, but that's part of the thing. Not just the college football playoff games, but the Heisman races are going to have a, a little bit of something to do it uh, throughout all these big games as well. That's Pete Futek. I'm Nick Shepkowski. Tons more games to get to in Alabama and AM. I, I see Alabama rolling all over this one, not really being tested until that LSU game on November 9th, which should be a world of fun. And I think uh, we got a little something up our sleeves for that week as well that's going to be special that the College Football News Podcast listeners will yeah, enjoy. Nothing, nothing against Florida. I want LSU to, to just kind of get there undefeated. That, that, we, the, America needs that right now. Our college football world needs that. Undefeated LSU, undefeated Alabama. Let's go. Let's do this. Yeah, I, I would not be opposed to that whatsoever. We got an in-depth Red River Showdown conversation coming up for you here in just a little bit. Some other big games, though. Here in the Midwest, two of them taking place. We'll get to Notre Dame and USC here in just a second. But Penn State, the upstart Nittany Lions. We spoke about them at the start of the season of can they compete in the East? A lot of questions, a lot of overhaul with that roster coming in, replacing a quarterback that had been there forever. How are they going to be able to compete? And, I mean, Ohio State's kind of in its own little territory, an old little world in the college football world in terms of turning heads on a weekly basis right now. But Penn State, I find myself each and every stinking week walking away as impressed with them as just about everyone, not because I think they're the best team, but just in terms of where I thought they'd be this year versus where they actually are. It feels like they're light years ahead of it, and they're, they're a lot closer yeah, to that kind of elite tier. Yeah, they're playing a big bucket of hot garbage. Okay, fair enough. 
you can only play who's on your schedule, though. They played a yeah, little but poorly against Pitt. If, but they, if you're beating up Maryland and you're beating up Purdue, and you just it, they're bad. So we haven't seen them yet. So it, it's kind of the hard part about right now is that you've got, for example, Oklahoma. You've got Penn State. And you got LSU to a certain extent, but they did beat Texas. And now we get to see LSU play against a defense. Now we get to see Oklahoma play a team with talent. Now we get to see Penn State play a team that's pretty good. Now Pitt might be pretty – I think Pitt's better than I think uh, I thought they were to start the season. But for the most part, they haven't had to play anybody who they've had to stress out against yet. Iowa should stress them out. Iowa's going to have to bounce back from that uggo against Michigan. Yeah, that was absolutely brutal offense. If you're one that uh, likes the fantasy football and likes the ball going up and down the field, that thing was uh, turn your head and throw up into a bucket watching. You know, large I'm, parts I'm of an apologist. Thing. You know, I'm a Michigan apologist. I know you here, are. It's on your but business card. It just card. seems like that Michigan offense, every play looks like it's about to turn the ball over. It looks so uncomfortable. Shea Patterson, it's, oh, well, it's an offense that finally fits him. It's going to be perfect. It's like, well, how many pro quarterbacks can't go through a new offensive coordinator and a new system year after year? All of a sudden, a 21-year-old <laughs> kid's going to figure it out? Oh, God. Yeah, college Trubisky is what uh, Shea Patterson seems to be so far for them. But I guess we can get into that Penn State and Michigan battle here in a couple of weeks as they'll take place. The more I look at this game, I I just don't see Iowa doing that two weeks in a row. Yes, I've been very impressed by Penn State, by James Franklin, and what's gone on there this season. I think it's a team that's looked better than I thought they'd be. I can't see Iowa setting football back 50 years a second week in a row. Their lines are good enough, and Nate Stanley is a better quarterback than he showed against Michigan. We don't know what Penn State is quite yet. This is a very, very strong team with a lot of young talent, and they might be a whole lot better than we think they are. I know it's hokey, but it's college football, and sometimes this works with 18- to 22-year-old kids. I think dreadlock gate is going to be a potential thing and a motivating factor. The, this letter that the Penn State guys got this week when you had the old farty uh, Penn State fan who was like, oh, I don't like these guys and their dreadlocks and their long hair and that everything with that. I, that might be a motivating and factor and kind of a thing that galvanizes them. And I, I don't like to take stuff like that and apply it to can a team win a game. But it might just focus this team on the road just a little bit more than they might have been before. Yeah, it's that was ridiculous. That letter that came out that was posted, I don't know, it was Monday or Tuesday afternoon. And, oh, the right way. Okay. Um, you want to open your eyes to Mr. Coach, do it the right way, what he turned his back to there, Penn State pal. Thanks a lot for thanks a lot or for your that, message. Or send that letter to Trevor Lawrence, and then it's all okay. Now, yeah. now it's just a it's a generational thing. Right, right. Oh my God, his hair is different than mine. Oh my God, he has a tattoo on his arm. How can he possibly be a contributing member of society? Get off my exactly, lawn, you yeah. damn old man! Reverse <laughs> this all on you. Other big game in the Midwest this no, week. Nothing ever starts out well. Having gone through that whole Penn State thing, nothing starts out well. I, my wife and I, or fifty years ago, were fans of students at Penn State, and I. It's like, uh oh. Yeah, we know where this is going, and it's not going to end well for whoever's names at the bottom of this terrible and horrible letter. Uh, We'll get into the Red River showdown here in just a second, but Notre Dame hosting USC. USC gets their quarterback back from injury this week. Uh, The concussion variety is they get that back. Notre Dame gets Jafar Armstrong back in their backfield. How does this one play out for a USC team that, well, when they're at the Coliseum, they look solid, they look legit. They've had road problems both at Washington and at BYU this year. 
And they get Keaton Slovis back next this week. So here right. we go. He's no longer concussed. Yeah, apparently. They they have not been great on the road, but they rested. And this is a, there's enough talent there to at least annoy Notre Dame. I don't I, I think this is kind of my overall week of underdogs to just at least not get destroyed. Notre Dame's just better. Notre Dame's going to win. But I just see USB being a little more pluckier than uh, a little bit like last year where they're just not going to be a speed bump. Uh, Slovis is not going to be great, but there's going to be just enough physical play up front on both lines and the defense is going to be okay that Notre Dame's got, I'm sorry, uh, USC's got the receiving core to give Notre Dame a few problems, but I just don't think they're going to have enough in the bag to get by this Irish team. Yeah, they had, I mean, last year they took them to, maybe not to the wire, but that game was a lot more interesting than it was supposed to be for a down USC team. I, when I watched a USC game against Utah. Yeah, thanks for that, USC. I really appreciate you letting Notre Dame in the college football playoff. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that you were Mr. Notre Dame yourself, one and only Pete Futek, but uh, you Looking at this USC team, it is, it's about as physical as USC team as I can remember seeing since the glory days. It hasn't been that way. You haven't been able to say that about USC in quite a number of years. Right. I'm thinking more defensively, defensive line wise. That game against Utah, who's supposed to be about as physical as anyone that's not in the SEC, they went blow for blow. In fact, I thought we're more the more physical team on the field that night. Walked away impressed with them there. But again, kind of like you pointed out, for whatever reason, that hasn't traveled with them on the road this season. Yeah, Notre Dame's going to go 11-1 and and, or 10-2 and when they lose to Michigan. Uh, they'll probably go 11-1, and and then they're going to be screaming and that they belong in, and uh, then they got to root for Georgia. So they're going to win this week. Yeah, I have it going the same way as you do there. And finally, we'll have a couple of guests here coming up very shortly to break down the Red River Showdown, Texas, Oklahoma, it matters. Oh, boy, does it matter this week. What do you see going on in Dallas? First off, is, is this a game you've ever covered before? No, I've never been to this game. Uh, it's I've wanted to. It's, it's it was always it used to be great back when in the 2000s, and then it kind of hit the skids for a while. But it, it's a, it's fun. I mean, because you do have that the two sides of the stadium that are just there. You go. There's orange one side, crimson on the other, and it it those fans just get right into it, and it is fun. It's a it's supposedly a blast, as both of our guests uh, allude. To. Uh, this is I am going to be really disappointed if these two teams just don't blast away. I just I, I I don't think there's going to be any defense played on either side. I want to see both quarterbacks go off. Uh, I think Oklahoma wins this, but they haven't played anybody yet, so I am going with Texas and the points. And I would not be stunned if the Longhorns win this outright, but I'm going with Oklahoma just not to cover. Yeah, I this game. What I've realized about this game, maybe more so than any other rivalry game in college football is if I bet this game, you can guarantee it's going the other way. Because no matter how great Oklahoma looked, maybe in the Max Strong years, you got Texas's best shot. When Oklahoma had some, not rough patches, but by Oklahoma terms, rough patches in recent years, it's like, okay, they're down. They go and they play their game of the year in this game. It feels like that applies to this game more so than just about any other rivalry out there, and I seem like I always find myself losing money on this game. It's like a it's a mid-October tradition, unlike any other in the Shipkowski household. Did you combine Mac Brown and Charlie Strong and combine them into one era? I think that and you made the the fullback a a Texas head coach at some point. But you're right, the Mac Brown era. It was always those teams that 
they all they had all the talent in the world, <laughs> and then the Bob Stoops defense would come down and just pound them. I, this it's not that now. Now it's just these two quarterbacks. I, this is Heisman Central. Sam Ellinger can get in the race. Jalen Hurts can take a step forward. Uh, I, this is com- going to be probably the first of two games. I, I've, it was one of my weird offseason calls. Just watch. Texas is going to win this game, and then they're going to. I'm sorry. Texas loses this game, gets to the Big 12 championship, and then screws up Oklahoma by winning the Big 12 championship, and then the Big 12 is going to be totally hosed. But I think this is the first of two we're going to see of these two. So either way in this one, Oklahoma, they win out, and they say Oklahoma loses this week but goes on and just like last year redeems themselves in the Big 12 championship. Is this a must win if Oklahoma's getting back to the playoff? They can go. It's the same as always. If you go 12 and 1 and win your Power 5 Conference Championship, you're going to get in this thing. There's no way the committee's going to leave out a 12 and 1 Big 12 champion Oklahoma or a 12 and 1 Big 12 champion Texas. Uh, so it's kind of a must win. It's a more of a must win for Texas to stay alive. Oklahoma can lose this and still roll from there and still get in the playoff. Okay, we're going to pause for a timeout, but this is a huge one. Obviously, the college football playoff implications. Two of the biggest names in college football going at it this weekend in what is one of the best rivalries in all of sports, let alone college sports only. One of the best rivalries in all of college sports, all of sports, it is the Red River Showdown. We'll preview that next with Oklahoma-specific guests and Texas-specific guests with you. It's Nick Shepkowski, Pete Futek on the College Football News Podcast. Hey, do you like to have a little action on the games you're watching? And would you rather donate to a great cause than to say, oh, you're bookie? If so, go check out scoresplit.com. At ScoreSplit, you can join a square pool, a strip card, or for whatever game you're watching, be participating and benefiting a great local or national nonprofit group along the way. Here's how it all works. You pick a square, and if the score matches up, you split the pot with the very thankful organization. It's as easy as that. Here's the best part. You sign up for score split using promo code CFN, and they'll set you up with 10 bucks for free to get the fun started. Visit scoresplit.com or download the ScoreSplit app from the App Store or Google Play today. ScoreSplit, you can't win if you don't play. the week this week in college football there's a lot of good ones tough to ever find one better than this red river shootout time oklahoma texas for more on the boomer sooners we go on out to the usa today sports's managing editor of sooners wire it's keegan renault kind enough to join us on the college football news podcast what's going on keegan uh, just just watching the cardinals about to clinch this game and uh, get ready for uh, texas the rest of the week yeah, you don't have to start with the Cardinals thing. I'm a Cubs fan, and I can't stand it. I vomit anytime I hear about them winning a playoff game. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll go to the football part instead if that's okay. <laughs> I hate to see so that. Is it the, it, so, is it the Red River Showdown shootout rivalry? I know not politically correct to call it shootout, Nick, uh, but I think it's – and I can't say Red River rivalry because it's way too hard. So is it the showdown now? Mm. Yeah, it is uh, the Red River Showdown. I think it was four or five years ago they rebranded it um, with AT&T. So, yeah, it's changed names over the over the course of the last two decades. But, yeah, heading into it, it's the uh, Red River Showdown. And trust me, they uh, they make sure to let us know that it's the, uh, the showdown and not the uh, shootout or rivalry anymore. Oh, my goodness. You can't have out there outdoor cocktail parties anymore. You can't have shootouts. You have to have showdowns. Boy, oh boy, my, my, my grandparents might have been right about this world we're living in. But I digress. 
What is it? Oh, with- get off your lawn, Nick Chipkowski. That's yeah. You're starting to learn what you're walking into here, Pete. So, what is it about Oklahoma? What is it about Lincoln Riley? It's just plug play. Win Heisman become the first overall pick in the draft. It sure as heck seems like Jalen Hurts is making a heck of a case. What's going on down there? What's in the water in Norman to explain this this ridiculousness run? Yeah, I think the first thing you you look at is what Lincoln Riley has said over the last month or so. I think he did a one on one with Joe Clatt. Um, a Fox Sports, the Fox Sports analyst, everybody knows about. It. He he basically said that if you don't run a quarterback friendly system, you don't run a good system. And obviously, he has his own X's and O's in the scheme, um, but it is a very quarterback friendly system. I think everybody points to the fact that when you watch Oklahoma play, it seems like their receivers are always wide open. Um, they're always running a route trees that get guys like C.D. Lamb and Marquise Brown last year, Sterling Shepard in 2015. Those those guys are continuing to find space. Um, but uh, with that, too, I think this offensive line, I, the way the offensive line has played at Oklahoma in the last three years um, has really given Lincoln Riley a huge X factor in games because as much as people talk about the air raid, they talk about where he's come from under Mike Leach and the Hal Mummy tree, um, Oklahoma is a power run team. Um, and it, 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 That's where the basis of their offense is, and with that, teams have to respect that. And Jalen Hurts, you know, you've seen what the, the last couple weeks has been able to showcase downfield throwing a ability a little bit more. Um, obviously saw that with Kyler Murray last year and Baker Mayfield the, th- the three years prior to that. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's a quarterback-friendly system. I, I think Lincoln Riley um, doesn't won't shy away from at least stating that. He won't call it the air raid. Don't bring up that the uh, he, he runs an air raid system. But I, I think Lincoln's done a good job um, setting up Jalen Hurts for success, just like the two guys before him. Well, the air raid system's different because it's really more about the quick passes right off the line. It's really about getting the, the ball off the quarterback's hands in a hurry. And this is a little more downfield. It's a little more hitting them in stride. You know, Texas Tech, when it was really running the court, sort of air raid style, when it was at its height, didn't necessarily bomb away down the field. They just sort of dinked and dunked their way. And that's not Oklahoma. This is a big play offense. But now they get to play. I, I don't want to say, is Texas actually a real defense this year? Because Oklahoma hasn't played anybody yet. You look at their schedule and okay it's been a whole lot of fun but now they actually play a team with talent but you saw what Joe Burrow did against Texas this secondary is not playing very well the defense is all banged up is this crazy as it sounds is this a real test for this offense yet I think in this game in this setting um, without everything that's on the line yes Um, I I think Texas has showed here and there throughout this season that they're capable of playing good defense now um, being consistent with that uh, it is another conversation for another day. But I think in this game, in this setting, uh, this is the best team Oklahoma's played up their schedule. I think this is a, like kind of like what has been talked about a lot this week. This is a season-defining game for Oklahoma because they're not as much as good as Jalen Hurts has been, as much as good as Lincoln Riley's been. Um, they're still not getting that national respect like they did with Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield in 2017. Um, so, you know, going along with those lines, Texas, this, they've come in this game these last three years, and has been the most physical team, especially on the defensive line. So I think this is going to be a huge test. Um, now, granted, if the first few plays of the game or anything like what Texas did with LA, against LSU, uh, maybe it's not. Maybe we're going to wait until Oklahoma plays the you know, pack. TCU gave up 49 to uh, or TCU gave a 49 to Iowa State last week. So who knows? Who knows if they play good defense this year? But this will be the biggest test Oklahoma's played. 
up to this point. And it will be interesting to see how they respond to the physicality and the atmosphere and everything that goes in with the uh, OU Texans on Saturday. We know about a little bit of the offensive line. You mentioned Dalton Bishop, that part of it. This Oklahoma team versus the one that's been in the playoffs the last couple of years, just from kind of your eye test, where does it match up? How does it match up against those two previous Oklahoma teams we've seen go to the college football playoff? Uh, it, they're not They're not at that point yet. That's definitely um, a valid point uh, or a valid statement right now. The, this, this team, especially on the, on the offense, they're <laughs> – it's crazy I say that because they're still they're setting historic records uh, more than what the last two offenses did, um, but they're not they don't look the part yet. Their offensive lines having issues. They've played five different offensive line um, units in the first five weeks of the season, their first five games of the season. Um, but if there is something that Oklahoma can hang its hat on, Oklahoma's defensive line has been the best unit Oklahoma's had this season. Um, looking at Ronnie Perkins, looking at Neville Gallimore, uh, true freshman Jalen Redmond, uh, or redshirt freshman Jalen Redmond. Um, those three guys are guys that are going to play on Sundays, and that's something Oklahoma's lacked over the last three years. So it, 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 we'll learn a lot this weekend about where Oklahoma's at. Um, but at the same time, no, that, I don't see them up to the – especially offensively up to the capability of – going out there and winning a shootout like what Tyler Murray and Baker Mayfield were able to do. They are pretty good. I mean, I mean, Jalen Hurts is putting up historic numbers that are actually better through this point than what Murray and Mayfield were able to do. But counterbalance the maybe the problems of the offensive line with what – look at that defense now. Last week, they were number two in the country in third down defense, Oklahoma. I mean, it was crazy. And now I think they're like fifth, but they're still at least holding serve a little bit better. What is Alex Grinch, your defensive coordinator, doing that's so much different uh, than what has been happening over the past – few years not making any excuses any part of the defense from the from the last guy on Oklahoma's defense that walk on that that's never going to see a play a game at Oklahoma um to the to the best player on their Oklahoma's defense they're holding each other accountable um now granted the scheme has been a little bit more friendly they're playing one gap defensive line um isn't having to take on blocks all the time um linebackers are playing aggressive filling uh, filling rushing lanes uh, but when you take a look at it, it all comes down to the culture. The culture of the Oklahoma's defense the last three, last two years specifically has been it's been awful. They even brought up a, you know, Fido was a big part of what Oklahoma's defense was last year after Mike Stoops got fired, and it stood for forget it and drive on. Now Alex, Alex Grinch isn't letting them forget it. Now they're saying the mentality is, hey, you're going to make mistakes, but when we look at film, we're going to show you a reason why you made this mistake and don't make it again. Instead of, we're going to forget this mistake and we're going to keep going and we're going to keep trying to make more plays or trying to make a play after that. So that, that's the biggest thing that Alex Grinch has brought to Oklahoma. And heck, we, they haven't played anybody offensively this year. So we're, we're going to figure out, though, especially in the month of November, um, I believe they have Oklahoma State, TCU, um, Baylor, and Iowa State um, in November. But on Saturday, we're going to learn a lot about where um, this this defense is that, and learn a lot about what Alex Grinch, the mentality and the culture of this defense, where it truly is um, from where we think it might be right now. So looking at it going into this Saturday, obviously we'll ask you to kind of handicap this game and your pick on that. But I'm just curious, Big 12-wise, outside of Texas, who is concerning? Are you buying into Baylor? Are you buying into Kansas State at all previous to the loss last week? Is there a th- third team in this conference that can kind of emerge and give a little bit of a scare or is it a complete and utter different tier 
I think Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma's in a different tier, and then I even think Texas is in a different tier, which is one a little bit lower than Oklahoma. Um, now Baylor is doing something that does kind of raise your eye a little bit, but at the same time, um, you know they went on the road and beat a Kansas State team that took a thumping from Oklahoma State, who took a thumping from Texas Tech. So I mean, if I hate using that for analysis, but. Uh, you know, we haven't seen Baylor with that one-point win over Iowa State at home. I think that's a great win, but we I don't know how good Iowa State is. So, yeah, I think it's Oklahoma, and then it's Texas, and then it's everybody else. I, I think these two are on a collision course to play two games again this year. Is that sort of the problem, though, in terms of national respect? And you kind of alluded to that before. That yeah, It seemed to me that Oklahoma is getting a lot of respect. At least they're getting the love on, on Fox by you know having the Jalen Hurts show when they played UCLA, and they're certainly number one up there with the highlights. Uh, but that's sort of got to be your concern when it comes to Texas is, can you even afford a split? Because if you're looking across the board at what's happening this year in college football, Clemson's playing nobody, but if they get 13-0, and they're in this thing. The SEC champion's going to be in. The Big Ten champions probably going to be in and then there's going to be all these arguments about well what happens to the Alabama LSU loser or if Wisconsin Ohio State loser goes 12 and 1 or something like that all of a sudden the big 12 schedule doesn't look all that great compared to some of these others mm-hmm. yeah I think that that's going to be a huge factor come towards the end of the year and yes I, I definitely say Oklahoma may have to run the table for them to get in now, granted, the uh, Jalen Hurts versus two attack of Aloha and Alabama chapters to play um, heavy on a lot of fronts, uh, especially in that committee room as the season goes on. But, yeah, I think as it stands today, you know, heading into this OU Texas game, I think Baylor's going to end up being ranked. I think that's going to end up being a potential quality win for Oklahoma. If Iowa State keeps winning, keeps improving, um, that they're going to be a ranked team. So that's a, that's another win. Uh, continues to go out and beat teams like they beat Texas Tech um, a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, I think Oklahoma's going to have to run the table um, at this point. But at the same time, if Texas doesn't win, I think the biggest thing here is Oklahoma can't lose the championship game against Texas at the end of the year. If Oklahoma's going to lose, they need to lose on Saturday because that's going to give Texas all the momentum. And if Texas runs the table, Texas only lost to LSU, and then all of a sudden that's that's a – play-in game for the college football playoff more than likely at the end of the year. So, yeah, this this conference, um, granted, the the idea of them not playing any defense is starting to go away. I believe uh, I use S&P Plus a lot. Um, I, I think Oklahoma, the Big 12 has fought five defenses in the top 40 of S&P Plus right now, so um, I, I, that's huge. And um, But at the same time, yeah, the Big 12's got to continue to improve, and not just this season, but heading into next season, too. All right, Keegan, I mean, you kind of alluded to it there, saying the tiers of where the Big 12 is right now, but how do you have this thing playing out Saturday in the Red River showdown? Certainly not a shootout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little more lower scoring than what people think. I think Oklahoma hasn't played up to the tempo that they've played over the last couple of years. I think Texas is another team that likes this clock. Granted, they do a little bit of hurry up here and there. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring, and I, I honestly I don't know who that favors. But at the same time, uh, in this game, it's as cliche as it gets. You throw the stats out. You throw whatever you thought about this game out. And for me, I look at who has the better players, who has the better coaching. I think um, I think that's Oklahoma. And I think Oklahoma wins somewhere inside the area of 
34-31 or 34-27. So I I, I know I'm not giving a hard score, so I'm going to give you one. I I think it's going to be 34-27 Oklahoma. Can I throw a strange kind of thought about this? You know, in a weird sort of way, obviously 13 and 0 Oklahoma goes to the college football playoff no matter what. I still think the a 12 and 1 Big 12 champion gets in no matter what. But to your kind of point before, if they were to lose, like losing to Oklahoma State on the road at the end of the regular season, that's kind of a problem. But losing this actually wouldn't be all that bad because now if you're hyping up the, the Texas and and if you get to the Big 12 championship and oh my gosh, it's 11 and 1 Texas versus 11 when Oklahoma State, now you've ramped it up that much more, and there's no question that the winner of this game gets into the college football playoff. But uh, I'll be shocked if these teams don't bomb away on each other. I, I, I'm expecting some sort of a, a massive scoring rush here because mm-hmm. it's Oklahoma-Texas. That's kind of what they do. Mm-hmm. And the last few years would show that. I mean, um, Texas win 48-45. I believe the year before that in 2017 was one of the lower scoring games. Yeah, 29-24 um, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And then in 2016, it was 45-40. So it's a hit and miss. I think obviously the who whoever is gonna whoever has that first turnover, um, I think that's gonna be a huge um, swing in this game. And I think whoever has the first big play, I think those two or whoever whoever can manage those, I think is gonna end up winning that game on Saturday. But um, for me, this is the my first OU Texas to go co- OU Texas to go cover. Um, I, I'm, I'm super excited for it. Um, and it's the highest-ranked matchup between the two teams since 2011, if you can believe that. So all, all the hype, all the momentum. Um, Oklahoma's been muzzled this week um, in terms of media. Texas is out there throwing some shots here left and right. So I, it's going to be a huge atmosphere, um, as it always is, at the Cotton Bowl. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it's going to be an incredible football game, too. And I, I think it's going to be one. Um, a lot of eyes in the country are going to be going to be on it, and I think it's going to be for good measure. Awesome. Right, one more thing before I let you go. Keegan, thank you so much for doing this with us today. And I'm sure we're going to have you on again at least a couple hundred times as we uh, keep going through the rest of the season. Oklahoma keeps on rolling. Right now, as you would handicap it, is Lincoln Riley the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners next year, the Dallas Cowboys next year, the Washington Redskins? Where is Lincoln Riley next year? He's at the University of Oklahoma, and I'll tell, and I'll tell you why. He's got a young pup named Spencer Rattler. That's a true freshman right now. Um, and I think Lincoln Riley thinks the world of him. I think Lincoln, and this is even going on a different area here, but I think Lincoln Riley thinks Spencer Rattler's the best quarterback he's had yet. And um, that's, that's, I think that's no slight to any of the guys that are obviously before him. But um, this kid, he can spin it. The ball looks different coming out of his hands the way that he's played this year in the two games he's played. Um, and I think Lincoln Riley wants to see him go through, and Spencer Rattler's a three-year guy in college. So um, I think once we see him go through and if Oklahoma can finally win a national championship for the first time since 2000, um, maybe that's the time we see Lincoln Riley move off, move on. But he's talked so much about the development of players and that this, he loves recruiting. Um, obviously, as we see, he's posting out eyeball emojis, including tonight Oklahoma got a commitment um, from, from a big-time guy tonight, it sounds like. So, um, he loves recruiting. He loves the development of those 18, 19-year-old guys opposed to what Cliff Kingsbury is sort of going through right now at, at, at Arizona. 
So uh, I think he's at Oklahoma next year, and I think he's at Oklahoma until at least Spencer Rattler gets done. Um, I totally lied. I have to ask you one more question off of that then. The (laughs) last time I heard someone say that exact same thing is, watch out for this guy. The ball comes out of his hands differently. He's a different sort of player. It was right before the national championship a couple years ago when I'm like, hey, you know what? This Jalen Hurts is probably going to win another national championship. You're going to win a national championship here, and he's going to be the guy. And everybody at Alabama says, just wait until you see this Tua Tungle viola winging around it's a different sort of guy it's a different sort of player but at this point as good as rattler is as a prospect if you're oklahoma can't you just kind of get any quarterback you want in terms of transfers i mean you could i, I gotta imagine dear king and you know again go across the board find the quarterback who wants to transfer and this is the you can get anybody at this point who's coming back for next year can't you mm, i believe so but i also think that it, it how do I say this? Lincoln Riley offered the Rattler kid when he was a freshman in high school. Rattler committed after his sophomore year of of high school. He spent a lot of time building the relationship with him uh, from when he was fifth, not even 16 yet. He couldn't even drive. So I think there's going to be a lot to do with that. Uh, but at the same time, yeah, no, say Spencer Rattler comes out this spring, gets, or this winter, plays in the game this year and gets hurt. Um, you have Tanner Mordecai, a guy that – He's been a, he's shown some good things this year as the backup quarterback, the true backup quarterback for Oklahoma um, so far. But he's not the guy. He's not so. If Spencerelli gets hurt in a game or he goes through winter and maybe gets in trouble, yeah, I think Oklahoma takes the transfer quarterback, whether that be Derek King or whoever else is out there. But uh, there's a lot of lofty expectations, and I think there's a lot of trust and loyalty to what Spencer Rattler could potentially become under Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma that I, I don't think the transfer and go down the line a little bit. Oklahoma also has the number one recruit in 2021. Who's also the number one quarterback in 2021 and the 2021 class and Brock Vandegrift, a guy out of Oklahoma was able to snag him over Georgia. Who's he lives 30 minutes from Athens. So um, he's able to, like you said, go get whoever he wants as a transfer guy. But he also looks like he may be able to go go get whoever else he wants as a uh, as a high school guy too. So I mean, it's a lot of tough decisions. But I think Lincoln's very loyal to what Rattler is going to be, and I think he that may also be the same tune um, with Vandegrift in 2021. Keegan Renault from Sooners Wire operates that website through the USA Today family. Appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy Saturday. Enjoy covering your first Red River showdown. And uh, we'll do this again soon because I don't think Oklahoma is going away anytime soon. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Big thank you to Keegan Renault from Sooners Wire for joining us, talking some Oklahoma football. Pete, I, I don't know about you. I look at this, and Lincoln Riley – Yes, his name is flashy. Yes, his offensive schemes are ridiculous, and his quarterbacks are all first overall draft picks and high trophy winners. What that tells me is, why does his name get thrown into a Redskins mix? Why does it get thrown in with whatever slop team is out there? If I'm Lincoln Riley, I'm going to a marquee job where there's a quarterback in place, where there's offensive weapons in place. I'm not leaving my gig at Oklahoma to go to some fumbling franchise that's just in despair. Yeah, the whole idea of watching the Redskins doesn't really fly because it just doesn't. But, like, Cleveland does. Like, hook, sort hook of. Up, uh, hook up uh, Mr. Riley with Baker Mayfield. Well, I mean, he was awesome with Mayfield, but he's also kind of, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's, you look at that offensive line, it feels like that's got such a long way to go. It feels like it's like one or two or maybe three places where he could even consider 
that he'd want to, if, at least if I was in his shoes. All these things can be fixed. And if you're in the, the NFL is different than college where you can't necessarily, you can kind of fix certain things in college with recruiting classes, but sometimes it takes a while in the NFL. You can go into free agency. You can just, if you need offensive line, you go get your offensive line. And so that's not up to you at that point, if you're Lincoln Riley. So I, I think you're absolutely gone to the NFL. If you're Lincoln at this point and you find the job that's right for you. And that's going to be the Dallas Cowboys probably next year at this time. It very well could be. Dallas plays anybody good on their schedule. They seem to seem to be losing like the old Cowboys way. That's Pete Futek. I'm Nick Shepkowski. After this quick timeout, we will check in from the Texas perspective on the Red River Shootout, the game of the week, this coming Saturday. It's a college football news podcast each and every week. Check us out. Download it. Subscribe to it on iTunes, on Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts. It's a Texas preview of the Red River Showdown coming up next. For the other side of the Red River Showdown, as I was so kindly taught moments ago, go out to Rivals.com. Trey Lewerson does work for them. He's been described to me by one Pete Futek as Mr. Texas, whichever he is, whatever he is. Trey Lewerson, kind enough to join us now on the College Football News Podcast. What's going on, Trey? Hey, guys. How's it going? So, all right, so what's your feeling about this Texas team, and can it beat Oklahoma? I know it can in your world, but is this the team that's going to turn around with this win this week to make Texas a factor in the college football playoff race? No. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think as a Texas fan, I'm very happy with what Herman's doing. He's building the right way, uh, working for rivals. I have seen on a incredible uptick in their recruiting in the three years that I've been there. Um, but, you know, their defense is about as injured as, you know, I, it, it's kind of a nightmare for Longhorn fans how injured their, their de- defensive backfield is. And it's going to be a horse race. It's going to be up and down. It's going to be like last year which was 48-45, but I fear that uh, that Oklahoma is going to score one to two more times than Texas will. Uh, I think last year's Texas offense actually ended up being a little better than the one that they field now. Um, you know, I think that their receivers, little Jordan Humphreys, was a little bit more dynamic than what they have now. Um and their defensive backfield worries me. I also think, begrudgingly, that Lincoln Riley is a bit of a genius, certainly with the X's and O's. Um, I just feel that the game this weekend will play out much more like the Big 12 title game did than last year's Red River showdown. So looking at it and kind of handicapping it then, obviously yeah. the injuries are where you're worried about with this. Like where is the offense is what gets thrown around always with the Big 12, but specifically against this Texas team. Where is that in kind of comparison to you call them a genius in his own way in Lincoln Riley? Where is this Texas offense performing at level-wise kind of, kind of compared to their opponent this week? Sure. I mean, I think that Texas has the second-best offense in the conference, and – you know, you look around college football, probably a top five offense, you know. Um, that said, I think the Sooners have the best offense in college football. Um, and a lot of that is, is personnel, and a lot of that is scheme. 
Um, you know, I think I think when Jalen Hurts went to Oklahoma, you know, a lot of my Longhorn friends were like, "Oh, cool, he, you know, he couldn't even keep a job at Alabama." And I was like, "Be careful what you wish for." You know, Jalen Hurts is a very good college football quarterback, and he could hurt you in in different ways than um, Baker or Kyler Murray could. Uh, he's bigger. You know, he's he's not as good as Vince Young, but he's a little bit more like Vince Young, and then he's big, and that's hard to take down and, you know, um, can make different throws than those guys. Um, so, you know, I think, they're, I think their offense is the best in college football. You know, you know, now, you know who couldn't they get, haven't keep the job really at Alabama or even yet. get it was Gardner Minshew. You know, so Jalen Hurts is, is is pretty good, but they haven't really played anybody yet. I mean, they haven't had that uh, that big game they've had to deal with, like Texas has had to do with LSU. It just I'm waiting to see what this team can do against anybody with some talent. But like you kind of alluded to, Texas is so banged up. Can they tackle at all in this game? Well. It's- that's a good question. And, you know, I think what you've hit upon is the, is the glimmer of hope that I have um, that we can pull off an upset. You know, last year I had, I had no uh, expectation that we would win that game. Um, but I think, you know, the OU, the, the OU defense last year was really exposed against Texas, scoring 48 points. Um, you know, they couldn't stop us and we could barely stop them, you know, um, and so, again, you come into this game and their defense hasn't been tested, you know. And, you know, coaches love adversity to see how their guys are going to react, and they really haven't had that, you know. Um, so I think that's the glimmer of hope, that their defense isn't as fixed as, you know, Sooner, Sooner fans hope it is, um, and that they're not going to be able to stop our offense. And, you know, if everything is is uh, is going right, then we win on the last possession like we did last year. You know, I think that's the way Texas wins. But tackling, covering, you know, those are worries for me as a Longhorn fan. How how is a defense that was shredded by LSU uh, struggled mightily at times against Oklahoma State and West Virginia? Uh, how are they going to slow down what I think is the best offense in college football? And, you know, I think that the answer is they're not going to be able to. So can they outscore them? I think that's their path to victory. And, you know, that becomes almost like a basketball game, you know. So then who are we looking at to really be the star of this game? If it does fall Texas's way and it becomes a shootout, they get the ball last and they win 52-49, to who is it that's a star besides Sam Ellinger? Is it is it Devin Duver, uh, Duvernay? Is it the relative unknown nationally? Who's kind of the star to look out for that's the difference maker that helps put enough points on the board for Texas to win the one way you think they can? Well, I think Duvernay, you know, he's like a Quan Cosby starter kit. You know, uh, he has become Ellinger's safety blanket, you know, up the field. If everybody's covered – bang, I throw it to Quan Cox. I mean, uh, Deborah Duvenet. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's going to be, it's going to have to be on the outside that they really can beat uh, Oklahoma. You know, Brennan Eagles, Epps, um, Johnson, you know, I think Sam is going to have to spread it around. 
Um, you know, at the end of the day, Duvernay is going to have the most receptions. But if those other guys all have two, three apiece, a cup, you know, a touchdown apiece, you know, then we're talking about you know an offense that's dynamic enough to to win the shootout. It's not going to come from the running game, I don't think. Um, you know, Texas has struggled running the ball. There are injuries on the, you know, in the in the backfield are are much discussed. Um, I think their line is a little bit better pass blocking than run blocking, um, at least what I've seen. So I don't know that you know Ingram or you know I don't think that they're going to have you know a lot of success running, and I also think that it's going to be such a kind of a shootout, especially in the second half, that both teams are probably just going to abandon the run. Not completely, but I just don't I don't see that the running game is going to be a big factor. So it's Sam and it's his receivers. All right, so let's say Texas pulls this off. Let's say somehow yeah. they, they get it done, no matter how, 105-103, they, they somehow get it done. Are we ta- is the, is it next week? Or is a Trey Lurison going to be like, wait a minute here? We already got Oklahoma State out of the way. We got this game done. We this team can make the college football playoff now, and they're right back in it. So, yes and no. Let's 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 say that. I, I obviously they can't make it if they don't win. They're they're out of the playoff. Um, that doesn't mean that from where they are, they're not going to have a successful season, but they're out of the playoff if they lose. If they win, then, yeah, they can make it, but there's no room for error. They can't have that typical Texas flip-up game against, you know, Baylor. Kansas. Um, and Baylor's going to be a tough game this year. But, you know, they can't, they can't lose to Tech out of the blue, which Texas teams, even, under, even when Mac Brown was, you know, at the height of his powers, Texas team seem to always have that one loss. It's like, what? So they can't do that. And then they got to beat Oklahoma again, you know? And I think last year, everybody was really excited and we got into the big 12 title game and, you know, Oh shoot, Oklahoma is still pretty good. You know? Um, so I basically have said, I don't think we're going to beat them this week, beating them twice seems like a really tall order. Um, but, you know, then again, Oklahoma's really got to beat Texas twice to get into the playoffs. So, you know, I it's it's going to be tough still. It's going to be an uphill climb because their roster top to bottom isn't as dominant as, let's say, the, the Texas teams that, you know, went to the national title game twice in the aughts, you know. So... They're getting there. Uh, they've got a lot of uh, talent at different positions, and they've got a lot of talent committed and coming in, and young talent, come, you know. So I think that the future's bright. Um, this year, I, to me, it would be a stunning shock if they got into the playoff. It just would. And then they would probably get drilled by Alabama. So you give a little <laughs> bit of, yeah, hey, that's also the problem with lots of teams. They get to the playoff and then, oh, crap, there's Clemson. Oh, crap, there's Alabama. Yeah, look at Notre oh, Dame no. last year. They were happy to be there and e- they got stomped. Exactly. You know? Exactly who I was thinking of when I said that. So you kind of alluded to it right there. It's talked about all offseason, every offseason. Is Texas back? How close is it to Texas being back for Mr. Texas himself? 
Uh, I mean, they're, to me, they're back because to back is relevant. You know, I mean, uh, Mac Brown won one title game. He went to another. Um, you know, and if Colt McCoy doesn't get injured in that game, who knows? It, he, he might have two. You know, so to me, back isn't a national title. Back is not necessarily a playoff berth, but the fact that we're talking about the possibility of Texas being one of the final four teams, to me, that means they're back because they were down. I mean, you know, Mac, I think, lost interest there at the end. Charlie Strong was just a bad hire. Uh, the AD that hired him was a bad hire. So, you know, they were about as down as a giant elite program can be. Um, you know, Tennessee. now, what'd you say? I'm sorry, got to clear my throat. Tennessee, you got your <clears throat> throat there for a second. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, it's Tennessee, exactly. You know, they're going through, and Florida State. Florida State, you know, they've each hired coaches that are probably huge mistakes, you know, and with buyouts, uh, sometimes you got to wait. You got to just suffer because the buyout is just too much to, to swallow. So, you know, I think when we went to the sugar bowl last year, you go to a, what would have formerly been called a BCS bowl. You go to a BCS bowl, you know, you're in the conversation. You're a factor in the upper echelons of college football. Uh, we haven't come back the next year and laid an egg. You know, we lost the tough game to LSU, but I think LSU is actually maybe kind of really good. We're going to see how good LSU is this weekend. But, um, but you know, I, to me, Texas is back. Are they title contenders? maybe a year or two away from that. But they could get lucky this year, win a couple shootouts against Oklahoma and be in it, you know. Um, but, I, you know, I think that, uh, I think, look, everybody wants Texas back, the people who hate them and the people who love them, you know, because it's, it's more fun with them in the conversation. It's better if the Big 12 has two, you know, superpowers than just one. Um, because then you become the ACC. You know, so, um, you know, I just I think there's a little bit more patience coming. I know working for a recruiting uh, a company that covers recruiting that um, that Texas's class is very good. And the 21 2021 class is even better looking. Um, so they're going to be a factor for for now, years to come. You know, Herman has set them up to be a factor for years to come, much like Mac Brown did when he first got to Austin. You know, they were immediately more competitive than what under the Makovic years or the David McWilliams years. They were, you could immediately see the difference. And you could with Herman. Were there still the strange losses to Maryland? Sure. Um, you know, last year, you know, they, they won a shootout against Oklahoma. They lost a shootout against West Virginia. Then they lost a shootout you know, against uh, Oklahoma again. So, you know, they are still a Big 12 team. They are still offensive heavy, you know. But, you know, I think they're going to be a factor for years to come, for the next several years. I don't see Herman, uh, you know, going anywhere. Uh, I, you know, I think there's a very good chance that Lincoln Riley is the Cowboys coach next year. Uh, I was you just know? about to ask you this. So a theoretical question in Trey Lewis's yeah. world, considering uh, your lovely young new son, his name is Landry. So right. Lincoln Riley becomes the D- the Dallas Cowboy head coach. 
Are you okay with this? Oh, best day ever. <laughs> because it, 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 it's, it's like reverse of when Switzer was named. Switzer was like terrible because you knew he wasn't going to be a great NFL coach. You know, I know he won a Super Bowl, but, you know, let's not kid ourselves. Um, whereas Riley, I think, will be a great NFL coach, a great NFL coach. And so it kills two birds with one stone. It gives uh, my NFL team, the Cowboys, a decent coach, which they don't have. And, <laughs> and, uh, and it takes away somebody who I think is really good away from our, you know, biggest rival. So, yeah, no, if Lincoln, if Lincoln Riley becomes the Cowboys coach, best day ever. Yeah, you know? totally understand that one. Addition for the NFL team you root for, subtraction for the biggest rival of the college team yeah, that you pull yeah. for. Because begrudgingly, I have come to believe that Lincoln Riley is is a football genius. I just really do. And I now it all is clear why Stoops just said, here you go. I'm tired. It's I can now tell that I can just hand it off in the good hands and you're going to do big things, and I can go play golf and, you know, putz around with the XFL, you know. Um, because, you know, I've heard Stoops talk a couple times in the last month, and he basically was sick of working 12 hours a day, 12 months out of the year. And I get it. I'm 50, you know. I understand. So, you know, um, I think he saw what he had in Lincoln Riley and said, perfect. This is an easy exchange. I can hand it off. And I think Texas fans were like, oh, you know, uh, Lincoln Riley, you know, he's young. He might not be that good. Oh, we got Tom Herman. We stole him away from LSU. You know, and, and believe me, I think Herman's great. Don't get me wrong. But I think, I think Lincoln Riley is one of those just geniuses, you know, um, like a Parcells, like a Steve Walsh, like a – Landry, like a Lombardi, like a Chuck Knowles. You Steve know? Walsh is a genius, too, yes. Huh? I think, Walsh, I think yes. when I pass away someday, you know, it's going to be with the knowledge that Lincoln Riley is one of the, the geniuses in football. And you know, so, is a genius. Can, the if, new Oklahoma Sooners head coach, Urban Meyer. Uh, I don't see that happening. As long as no, you keep him out of USC, I'll be happy. I, I think, I think, well... At the beginning of the year, I was 100% sure it was going to be Urban Meyer at USC. Now I'm more like 75% sure because I've heard whispers here and there that he actually, a, a little bit like Bob Stoops, like he does, now that he's gotten away from it, he kind of doesn't mind it, doesn't mind. He keeps his football beacon with Fox. Um, but And he's you know, really money, damn good money at is that money, part. So who knows how much money they'll whip him with. But, you know, uh, obviously USC is going to – going to be getting a new coach. I mean, that seems pretty clear. So he's the natural choice. I don't see him going to Oklahoma. I think if he's going to take a job, it's going to be USC or nothing. So, but who knows? I mean, Oklahoma, you know, they're a power. They're an elite team. They're an elite program. They're going to get somebody good. You know, uh, I think that they um, stumbled is probably not the right word, but I think they stumbled upon a great coach in Lincoln Riley, you know, yeah. uh, if he, if he can get his defense figured out, then, <laughs> then, you know, they, they, they would really challenge the Bama's and the Clemson's of this world, you know, yeah, and they, they might, they might. 
His resume. It would be interesting to see Tua and Jalen Hurts go at it in the playoff. That's for sure. Yeah, his resume speaks for itself. You walk in, go to the playoff, win a Heisman Trophy with your starting quarterback. Rinse, repeat, right. do it in year two. Oh, looks like he sure hell is going to do it in uh, year three yet again. Really appreciate you taking the time, Trey. Can check out all your work at Rivals.com. I know you have some recruiting stuff there always, but specifically this week you're guessing where the uh, remaining five stars that have not committed yet are going to end up. Alabama. Yeah, they're, they're all going to Alabama. That's what they do. They're actually all going to Oklahoma just to make your life a living hell, Trey. Actually, I believe so. There's seven uncommitted five stars, and uh, you know, I think the SEC. There's an SEC school in for all of them. I think so. Um, I'm you stunned. Know, the SEC. The SEC still rules, at least in recruiting. That's for sure. Well, this was a lot of fun. We'll be checking you out at Rivals.com and. Uh, I wouldn't mind if Texas Texas stirs things up a little bit so we can do this again soon. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> awesome. Enjoy the game Saturday. You got it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Time now to wrap up this week's edition of the College Football News Podcast with Nick Shepkowski and Pete Futek the same way we do each and every week. It's the Power Five. We give you one story or one game in each of the major five conferences that's not being discussed enough. We break it down, we get all the information on it, and we get it to you right away. We start in the ACC, Pete. I call this a bet the ranch game, and I need you to talk me off the ledge here so I don't lose a ton of money. Why should I not bet Virginia as an underdog on the road at Miami? Because that's a line that makes less than no sense to me. Well, besides betting being illegal, uh, it's too obvious. It's... Miami's been bad. This has been one of the most underachieving teams in in the country this year. This is a bad year for the ACC, and it was supposed to be a a big shot of energy with Manny Diaz taking over. They got a bunch of good transfers coming in. They got the veterans at linebacker, and they're just not winning games. But in this game, it's a desperate Canes team. All you're asking them to do is win the game outright. Uh, But you're right, Virginia, I still think, is the second-best team in the ACC. Uh, Although I do like Florida State's coming up fast, but I... I'm going with Virginia in this game, even just because Miami's been bad so far. You don't you don't drop that game to Virginia Tech like you did and be any good. Yeah, I mean that Miami thing. It's been a pitiful showing, and God, it's just it's so confusing because when they beat Notre Dame a couple years ago, they're top three, top four in the country. You're like, wow, Miami's back. Then Pitt beats them, and it's like it's but they've been just taking on water ever since. So yeah, you didn't do a good job. I the kid, the kid that's on its way. Future college education, its its tuition is on the line this week, and I think I'm putting it all on Virginia. Big Ten we go. Michigan State gets embarrassed on the road last week at Ohio State. I guess there's no shame in that. Ohio State, to me, has been as impressive as damn near anyone in the country. Chance at redemption this week. They go on the road, but they find a tough Wisconsin team where they're another double-digit dog. Doesn't happen very often with MSU. How do the Spartans get right? Do they have a chance of getting right against this very good Wisconsin team? Well, it's a tough physical defense, which is something that Wisconsin hasn't had to deal with so far. I've, I still think Wisconsin's just playing so sharp. And the thing, I know they were playing Kent State, no big deal. But the fact that they were brilliant from from snap one, there was not a play taken off early on. There was no not even a, a hint of drama. They came out and executed perfectly for an entire game against a totally inferior opponent. They got it. They seem to have everything. They're, on the, they're at home again. Uh, Michigan 
Michigan State, I got to think, is a little beaten up. I, I think that, that Wisconsin has a few problems running the ball a little bit against this Michigan State defense is better than it showed against Ohio State. Uh, but the Badgers get the win and keep moving on. Yeah, I'm with you on it. I think that Michigan State, the defense is going to keep them in a bunch of games. But my God, I just I'm done counting on them to be able to compete. I mean, just some of the decisions even in that Ohio State game, it was some self-inflicted, but my goodness, like why are you kicking field goals down by 17 points? I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand it. They left me frustrated last week. To the SEC we go. We don't have a good game necessarily to preview, but just speaking from a fandom point of view, does any fandom have worse luck when it comes to collegiate sports if you're a Mizzou fan for either of the money makers in football and basketball? A little injury luck here. Well, allegedly they're good. the NCAA is going to have something to say before the next you know couple of weeks to see if they can actually be bowl eligible and finally to overturn this ridiculous thing that they came up with in the off season that punished Missouri for really sort of calling its own self out and, and taking care of its own house. But they they caught a break with Kelly Bryant not being injured that badly with what looked like a bad knee injury. They did lose heart and soul linebacker Kale Garrett. So they're going to be great this week. They're going to win this week. And they're going to be that quiet team that no one's talking about. And all of a sudden, it's going to be like, wait a minute, Missouri's going to be a dangerous out for a Georgia and a Florida. They're still going to be a factor in this SEC East. Yeah, I've told you how I feel about their matchup with Florida here for better part of the last month. But that that Kale Garrett injury puts a damper on, on that for me. And I'm not nearly as high on it. You lose the heart and soul. It's... I don't know, kind of like when Northwestern got 20 years ago now, lost Pat Fitzgerald. You saw how that defense, that was one of the best in the country all year long, all of a sudden they get to the Rose Bowl, no Patty Fitz to help them out, and they get embarrassed not being able to stop Keyshawn Johnson and company that day. Well, they actually played a good team too, which is, you know, Northwestern plays good teams are usually problems, but yes. It can be, sure. But that, that Northwestern team beat plenty of good teams throughout the year. Big 12 we go. Baylor still unbeaten on the year. Texas Tech gets a big win against Oklahoma State last week that they entered as a big dog in that one. Baylor, is it time to take them seriously? Are they an actual threat in any capacity in this Big 12 as they still sit unbeaten? Yeah, this will be fun. I mean, welcome to the the 2019 season, Texas Tech offense. Baylor's different. This is not the normal Baylor team that we've known from the past. It's not the Art Bryles high-flying fun show. It's not going to put up 62 points in the first 10 minutes. It it is a measured, controlled team that relies on defense, not making mistakes, controlling games, controlling the tempo, which is kind of odd because they're bad at time of possession. Uh, But they make teams play at their level, and they are just finding ways to win games. It's kind of the anti big 12 team right now and they're just not making mistakes this is a very it's i almost want to say it's wisconsin light wisconsin if you didn't have if you took away the great amazing running game that's kind of what baylor is right now that's what baylor is and i i like baylor in this game even though they do have to go on the road there i think they get it done another week in a row finally we finish up in the pack 12 Khalil Tate, we talked about him a lot this offseason. Oh, my goodness, he's going to be healthy. He's going to be great. Then he goes and he has the dud in Week 0 against Hawaii. He's been lights out ever since. Arizona's all of a sudden 4-1. and one. They welcome a Washington team that's been a bit disappointing. Chance of 5-1 and one for Arizona? How much of a threat are they? they? They your favorite right now? It feels like it changes each week we talk about it, who we like in the Pac-12 South. But where's Arizona kind of falling for you right now? 
I mean, Utah's the best team in the Pac-12 South, but Arizona's play like that. And to give Khalil Tate a little credit, I think he came up with something crazy like 500 yards of total offense on his own in that Hawaii loss. It wasn't necessarily his fault, but he's been amazing. He has been playing great. This offense is doing great. The uh, defense is just good enough to get by, and now they're they're on a winning streak. They haven't lost since that loss to Hawaii, uh, And but Washington needs this. They, this is a, still a very, very good Washington team. I think it's a good Arizona team, not a great one. Washington's coming off that big clunker against a just a decimated Stanford squad. I just don't think Washington's going to drop a couple games in a row. I'm going to go with Washington, but very sheepishly. Yeah, I, I don't love the Washington thing. Maybe I'm buying in a little too late on Khalil Tate in Arizona, but I like the Wildcats in that one. He's Pete Futek. I'm Nick Shevkowski. It's been another edition of the College Football News Podcast. Hope you enjoyed uh, all the conversation. Red River River rivalry. Some big-time top 25 matchups this week. Showdown. It's a Red River showdown. It's not a rivalry. That's right. It's a showdown. It sure as heck isn't a shootout. We learned that earlier. Don't you dare say shootout anymore. Uh, Notre Dame-USC got some love. Penn State-Iowa some love. A lot of fun this week. Enjoy the games this Saturday. and We'll be back uh, next week to talk about, recap everything that happened, preview everything to come. If you've not yet done it, get to iTunes. Hit subscribe on the little corner right there of your of your iTunes app. Hit subscribe to the College Football News Podcast. Leave a rating if you haven't done it already. Share it with a friend, and we'll bring you college football coverage all year long. For Pete Futek, I'm Nick, Nick Shepkowski. Thanks for listening to the College Football